All right, welcome everybody to uh, podcast Detroit News podcast. We're not going to call it the Green Room, even uh, the Green Room podcast because the Green is no longer a thing. In March, they're done. Michigan State done. They lose uh, UCLA. If you didn't notice um, the other night or the other early morning, but anyway, we're still here to talk about Michigan basketball, the number one seed in the region, and they uh, they get it done uh, here on tonight or today on. Um, Saturday, uh, 82-66 over Texas Southern. Bit of a blowout early. Got a little bit lazy late, but no problem moving on. Um, I saw a little bit of it. I was kind of bouncing around. Great NCAA tournament so far. Uh, lots of upsets, which I think I think a lot of us kind of expected. Um, just given that the, COVID, the regular season in COVID was so weird, I don't think we got a true picture of a lot of teams, and, and now you're seeing a lot of upsets, and I, I, I don't think that's to be – too surprising, but uh, Michigan gets it done. They're not a victim of the upset. They're moving on to play LSU uh, in Indianapolis on Monday. And here to talk about it, back at his hotel, his five-star Ritz-Carlton Resort in West Lafayette, Indiana, near all the nicest restaurants, Denny's, 7-Eleven. Uh, James Hawkins is with us from West Lafayette. James is at the game today. He is probably way up high in the stands, being sure not to have any human contact. James, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I was actually hanging from the rafters at uh, Mackey Arena. And I think nice. that's the first time Five Star and West Lafayette have been using the same sentence before. <laughs> uh, everyone, uh, I, I've talked about it many times on the podcast with Matt when we talk about Purdue, Michigan State. West Lafayette is, you know, God bless him. I love Mackey Arena. I think it's super cool, uh, especially when there's a big crowd there and it's Purdue, Michigan and Purdue, Michigan State. But uh, the town leaves a little bit to be desired. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Everyone knows my opinion on that. We're here to talk about the game. Not so much about the game, I guess, but but about where this team is moving forward. Um, just really quickly on the game, what was it again? 82, is that what I said? 80, 82-66. Um, no issues? No, it was a pretty, pretty ho-hum type of game. I mean, Michigan kind of jumped out on them at the start, um, you know, uh, kind of built a double-digit lead, you know, within the first 10 minutes and then kind of held it uh, throughout the rest of the game. Uh, I think they led by as much as 24 in the second half. I think they wanted to have them with an 18-point lead. Um, I mean, their defense was phenomenal in the first half. I think Texas Southern, I think they only had three made field goals over the first nine minutes, which is a, a pretty good defensive job. And um, uh, you had an 18-point lead at half, and I think it got up to – as much as 24 in the second half. And then I think Michigan just kind of took their foot off the gas. And then you saw Texas Southern kind of keep making that parade to the free throw line to kind of cut it, cut the lead down a little bit. And I think you got a little anxious at the end there. Um, just given how like 10, the 10 had points, those. Didn't it? it got to 12 and they had the chance 12. to cut it to, yeah, they could have, yeah. they could have potentially cut the single digits because that was when Hunter Dickinson got called for his technical. So they had the two free throws and they had the ball, but they clanked both free throws and then they airballed. I think they airballed the, the shot on the next possession. And then I think the next possession after that on Michigan's, I think Franz Wagner hit a three and that was pretty much all, all they wrote. And they kind of just uh, sealed it there. But um, yeah, I mean, Texas Southern though, I mean, when you face these lower seeded teams, you typically these upsets are fueled by three point shooting. You just need a team to get hot from outside and, Texas Southern, I think they ranked last in the nation and made threes. Mm -hmm. They don't take a lot of threes, and they're like one of the worst teams at shooting them. 
Um, and they, <laughs> they finished one for 12 from three today. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I just think this Texas Southern just didn't have the makings of a team that was really going to pull up an upset, but it was the best, it was the best possible 16 seed Michigan's could have faced. <laughs> they yeah, got the I mean, perfect they, draw. They just, yeah. And I think there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of good out of it just because Michigan was able to play some of the, they were able to go a little bit deeper in their bench and kind of get some guys some valuable minutes like Terrence Williams and, and Zeb Jackson. I mean, Zeb, he played, I think, 12 minutes total in, in Michigan's games in March, and he hasn't really played very much, and he hasn't scored in over two months. And then he comes off the bench and bangs two threes and kind of helps uh, give the offense a little life when it was kind of dragging in there for a stretch in the first half. And then, um, I mean, I think they won it by 17 at that point after he hit those two threes. And, uh, yeah, so I think there was some good out of it. I mean, there was a lot of value out of it, I think, you know. Um, I don't really know if anyone was expecting Texas Southern to put up much of a fight. Um, I just think Michigan kind of did what they're supposed to do and took care of business. But like I said, I think the biggest thing is just kind of getting some of those deeper bench guys, uh, kind of getting them some valuable minutes in case, you know, foul trouble uh, pops up on Michigan here as they move forward. Yeah, they did everything they needed to do except cover, if anyone happened to bet <laughs> on the game. Uh, I had them as part of like a $5 parlay, so they didn't cost me much. Um Zeb Jackson, uh, barely heard of him, uh, forgot about him. Um, yeah, I saw you wrote a story. Check out James's work at DetroitNews.com uh, throughout the entire tournament. Phenomenal work. Um, but I read I read that story. He comes out, has a couple threes, had a couple rebounds, played eight minutes. Um, I th- like you said, I think it's important to give these guys valuable minutes in case they get foul trouble. But it's also kind of – I think they're kind of, they kind of use today to – Today kind of showcased a little bit of what they what they what they can do, what they will do without Isaiah Livers moving forward. Um, right. And you saw uh, Mike Smith; that was a promising sign. Mike Smith, who was pretty rough in the Big Ten semifinal, came out and had a great game today. Um, that was an encouraging sign moving forward because you're going to need him if you're going to make a run, and then you're going to need him if you're going to beat LSU, a very formidable opponent. I think most people, when they looked at the bracket, from Michigan, uh, they saw that game in round two and they said, oh, you know, L- LSU put up a quite a display in the SEC tournament. They had no problem today. Uh, and so it was, it, I think it was good to see the multiple pieces, you know, kind of working for Michigan today. You have obviously an inferior, very inferior opponent, but, um, you know, they, you know, they, they're going to have to make do without Isaiah Livers. And I think they saw a glimpse of that, uh, a glimpse of that today of, of what can be done. The pieces that they do have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's 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 the, right. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely. Yeah, that was one of the keys. I mean, obviously, Michigan. This is only the second game they've had without Isaiah. I mean, because he got injured in the uh, in the Big Ten uh, tournament quarterfinal game against uh, Maryland, where he went out and didn't return. So, I mean, Michigan only had that that one game against Ohio State, where that was just kind of like the quick turnaround, where they kind of had a kind of make do without him. But then now they kind of had this, you know, this longer stretch layoff time where they could sit there and evaluate and maybe plan a little bit more accordingly to how to adjust without. Um, Isaiah Livers and and yeah, I mean this is the time of year though too where you're just gonna need, I mean unexpected contributions. I mean you could just you're gonna need just like a, somebody to step up each game. I mean that's kind of how you survive in advance at this time of the year. You just have, you know, it could be it could be. I mean one of your stars could just like go off and just have a career night, or or you could just get like you know a guy like like Zeb who just a guy who is doesn't really have a defined role and wasn't getting consistent minutes. He kind of just comes off and. It's those two threes that kind of help, you know, Michigan kind of take control in the first half. Um, but yeah, and another promising sign was Brandon Johns. I mean, he's getting more, you know, comfortable, I guess, there in the starting lineup. And he had another solid game. 
um, with 11 points and kept getting to the free throw line again. I think he shot eight free throws again um, for the second straight game. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, this was, like I said, there was like plenty for Michigan, like plenty of value for Michigan um, out of this game, uh, you know, with them going deeper to the bench and them also getting just like a repetition, I guess, of, uh, of how to adjust without Isaiah heading into this uh, formidable second round matchup, as you said, against LSU. Yeah, I think it's an intriguing one. But uh, just to recap again, 82-66 Michigan over Texas Southern. Uh, Texas Southern is uh, Mike Davis's old school. Um, Mike Smith, 18 points. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, 16 points. Brandon Johns, Eli Brooks, 11. As you said, Zeb Jackson had the six off the bench, just six points in eight minutes. That's a pretty good uh, plus-minus. I'm not, I'm not seeing his plus-minus ratio here, but I bet it's pretty good for eight minutes and scoring six points. So, um what do you know about LSU? Anything? LSU beat uh, who the hell they beat today? They beat uh, St. Bonaventure. Beat the, the Bonnies. The Bonnies. One of the Saint better Bonaventure. defensive teams in the nation. And they put up seventy six on them. And uh, that's yeah, you know that's no uh, so small thing. And that in that game, I, I was kind of monitoring it. Really, never appeared to be you know for an eight nine matchup. You know those are obviously usually good. And never really appeared to be much of a matchup. LSU is on a roll right now. And uh, what do you know about them? Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I know putting on the spot. Come on, I want a roster yeah. by roster, roster breakdown right now. I don't know if I can give you a thorough breakdown, but I mean, I know they're obviously one of the the higher scoring offenses in the nation. I think they were they're like in the top ten, like averaging over eighty points or something. And they have and they have one of the the most talented freshman guards, one of the you know the high scoring uh, guards in the nation, in Cameron Thomas. Um, so I, I know that much about them. Right, I think. It's probably more than yeah, probably um, bad. But uh, I think uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I I was trying to like trying to keep my eye on it during the, the Michigan game. I, it didn't seem like Cameron Thomas really did a whole lot in the first half. It seemed like he was kind of held under wraps, and it just seemed like he took off. I think he still finished with like twenty plus points. He finished with twenty seven against St. Bonaventure, and I don't I don't know what he had at halftime, but it seemed like he took off in the second half. But um, but yeah, obviously a high scoring attack. Um, I mean, I mean, in the Big Ten, though, I mean, you face high-scoring teams. I mean, like, I mean, Iowa's one of the highest-scoring teams in the nation. Obviously, they, they're a little bit different. I think LSU's more guard-heavy um, than Iowa, um, obviously, because they lean on uh, Luca Garza there, who's, you know, the talented big man, probably one of the best players in the nation. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's just all going to come down to to Michigan's defense. And, I mean, if Michigan's defense plays like it does in the, did in the first half against Texas Southern uh, – they'll probably have a good shot, but if they play like they did in the second half against Texas Southern, then they could be in trouble. Um, but I mean, Michigan has, you know, two pretty good defensive uh, perimeter guys in Eli Brooks and Shawnee Brown that will probably get thrown onto Cameron Thomas um, throughout the entire game. But um, definitely, I mean, this is, like I said, man, I'm, everyone, everyone talks about, you know, you need good guard play um, in March. And I mean, when you have one of the best, guards in the nation, one of the top scoring guards in the nation, anything can happen. I mean, just look at, uh, I think, what is it? Um, Oral Roberts point guard, Max, Max Amos. Um, I hope I'm saying his name. I believe correct. that. I, um, I believe that. Oral Roberts, be, he's like the top. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I think he's the top scoring, top scorer in the nation. And I mean, uh, see what they did to Ohio state. They took them down in, what was it? A two 14, two 15 matchup or whatever it was. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be yeah. the that would be the Oral Roberts University, by the way. The yes, Oral that's Roberts correct. University. So yeah, you just need that one. This is where the stars shine the brightest, and I mean LSU has a star guard, so right. I mean he gets hot. You know, anything possible. 
No, that's what the that's what the tournament's all about. It's about guard play and it's about big moments. And um, uh, Michigan's defense is going to be huge here. Not just not just this. I mean, obviously slowing down the the good offense, but harassing LSU and and really flustering them because LSU is an undisciplined team. And if things go sour, they'll start to take. I do know this about them because I was talking to a coach about them because they didn't like this matchup for Michigan. But they said that uh, they're, they're just an undisciplined team, and if they get flustered, they'll start putting up bad shots um, even you know early in the shot clock. And that's what Michigan's going to have to do is just get them off their game, get them off their rhythm, and get them to make their own mistakes, which they will do. Um, uh, and as, a, as where Michigan, I think, is a very disciplined team um, uh, for the most part. And uh, so it'll be interesting. Um, Michigan is one of the Big Ten schools carrying the banner for the conference. Obviously, Ohio State knocked off by Oral Roberts. Uh, Michigan State out. Uh, who the hell else? Maryland won today. Purdue. Uh, right. Purdue got knocked out of Purdue knocked out by North Texas. North Texas. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The green wave, right? Is that what they are? The green wave? Mean, mean green? There's something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Purdue mean loses. Uh, Iowa advances. They beat Great Grand Canyon. Uh, Clemson or Rutgers beat Clemson, right? Um, yeah, Rutgers is carrying the carrying the flag, carrying yeah, the banner. Wisconsin, and Wisconsin beat uh, North Carolina. So that was Roy Williams' yeah. first. Wisconsin used first, up all, all its missed shooting. Yeah, that was Roy Williams' first first loss in the first round of the NCAA tournament ever, which is just amazing. Uh, yeah. With how many he's been. I think through. I think Wisconsin made a couple more threes during this video as we speak. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think Trice hit one like. Three seconds into the game, like a contested fadeaway three or so. I saw it really early in the game, and I'm like, this Trice is going to make his threes, and they're going to make their threes. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's such a weird team, man, because they're, they're just not that good, but then they're that good. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. They have, they, have all the, they have all the experience. They have like everything you'd want in a team. I know. I know. Like what, they say, what did they say? They had an older roster than the Chicago Bulls or something like that. Yeah, they have uh, like everyone incredible. in their starting lineups a senior, yeah. either a four year senior or a fifth year senior. And they could all, I guess, theoretically come back next year. So they could be, like, they could, uh, it'd be like a team of twenty, a team of Josh Langfords uh, at Wisconsin. They're all coming back for a sixth season. <laughs> you might go play a seventh season, by the way. But anyway, um, well, I don't know. It's been a fun tournament so far. Uh, Virginia just lost to Ohio, and everyone's up in arms about that. What a great upset! What I don't know. To me, that's the least, least of least shocking upset of all the upsets ever like Virginia that first of all they weren't a great team this year even when they could play they hadn't practiced in seven days they pulled out of the ACC tournament Ohio's pretty good they got that point guard Preston who I just yeah. found out by the way was a former Detroit Pistons blogger before yeah. he even started I didn't even know this like before he even started his college career the kid wrote about the Pistons uh great story but uh, good for the Mac. I'm sure the uh, ADs throughout the Mac are, are cheering loudly for them tonight. They get a little bit of extra distribution money uh, for uh, for Ohio getting the win tonight. So uh, that's exciting. It's funny, though. You know, people are like, oh, I just saw somebody say, oh, Virginia, they lost as a one seed three years ago and a, a three seed this time. And I'm like, yeah, but there was something in between those that I think most schools would probably be okay losing as a one and a three if you got the national championship. So I think Virginia will be fine. Uh, have you got to watch right. much of the tournament or, I mean, you're there. I mean, do you watch other games or 
What's go? What's the situation? No, I got, what's it like for you? Uh, I haven't really watched anything. I have it on right now, but I probably missed most of the games that were on like throughout the day. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of them yesterday. So a lot of the first round games on Friday, I watched. Um, I had it on my laptop and on my TV. Um, so I mean, I, I'll, I'll toot my horn a little bit because I had a couple like we oh, had our oh, dissecting yeah. the dance things and a couple a couple of my teams to avoid. I kind of nailed. Oh yeah. Um, I picked Ohio State to avoid the two seed, and that that panned out. I picked Virginia just because, like, I mean, Virginia's whole thing is they're just like are built on defense. Right. I mean, their defense was good, but it just wasn't as great as it normally is. So, I felt that was a a concern. I nailed that pick. Um, wow, you're the uh, best. North Carolina nailed that pick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean. I'm just saying the stuff people don't know. I mean, if people read it, they'll probably know a bunch, or people didn't read it, so they probably don't. They probably just think I'm making this stuff up. But I know the few no, of my I, picks. I, I, I can attest it's in, it's in the paper. He did say that James is a genius. Yeah. We've always known that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that. I just got left. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, I think those are excellent teams to avoid. Ohio State, you know, someone was trying to tell me that. Uh, that they should have been in contention for number one seed two. And I was just like, dude, they, they just sucked down the stretch. I mean, yeah, they got to the championship game, you know, the big 10 tournament, but yeah, I agree with that one. But Virginia, I mean, look, when you not, when you don't get to practice for seven days, I mean, you're just not going to be, I mean, and of course we had our first, uh, you know, COVID, COVID game casualty tonight with VCU um, having to pull out of the tournament because of multiple positive tests, their game against yeah. Oregon, which is just depressing if you're a VCU fan. I mean, this is a team that made the Final Four several years back. But uh, that's just depressing, man. You get, you know, it's one thing, uh, you know, last year, you know, the, the whole thing was canceled. So, you know, misery loves company kind of thing. You know, you had other people to kind of lean on and, you know, and everyone was going through it. So, you know, it, it was what it was. But now, you know, you get there, there is going to be a tournament. And then uh, three hours before tip-off, your season's over, before you get to play a game. That's that's depressing. Uh, no, that's or, uh, and, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the only team that this happens to. I mean, it's so delicate right now. It's such a such a balancing act, and you know, I hope hope that everyone's being diligent. But you can only be so diligent. I mean, there's you know, VCU obviously was probably thought they were diligent, and they're out of the tournament. So hopefully, uh, the Michigan is wearing its amazing blue masks uh, everywhere they go. So, um, so that game, we don't know a game time yet. We're recording this on Saturday night. It'll probably publish at DetroitNews.com on Sunday, but. Uh, but it will be down in Indianapolis, right? The whole tournament moves to Indianapolis now. They get away from lovely West Lafayette. Yeah, they, so they had, they had just the, the uh, Mackey Arena and Assembly Hall were just for the first four and uh, the first round game. So now everything moves to, to the arenas in downtown Indy. So that's the problem. Purdue should have scheduled their game up against North Texas at Mackey Arena. Then, you know, I don't know what, they're what were they thinking? Uh, is this the year the Big Ten do to snap the uh, the last Big Ten team to win a national championship? Two thousand Michigan State, which is just remarkable if you think about it, with how good the Big Ten has been. Uh, obviously, you know the ACC has always had 
you know, powerhouse teams and such. And so they, you know, when the Big Ten was good, the ACC was better. Uh, but it's been since 2000. Is this the year that, it's the, I guess it would be Michigan or Illinois? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll do respect to Rutgers, Wisconsin, and, uh, and Maryland, and, and Iowa. I, I guess about be, Iowa. I, 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 you know, I'm not gonna forget about Iowa. I mean, they got, you know, they got their own. They got a better Hunter Dickinson, uh, and so yeah, um, yeah. Well, key with them is just to play defense. I mean, right. they 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 started playing defense towards the end of the season. So as long as they can do that, I mean, they'll be all right. But uh, yeah. I think I think Illinois is the best chance. Um, they clearly. We're just on a roll um, heading into the postseason. I mean, they ran through the Big Ten tournament. I mean, they rolled over there. I don't even remember who they played in the first round, but they I think they won by almost 30, like 29 or 30 or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be Illinois. Obviously, I mean, Michigan would be right up there. I think it would be like 1A, 1B if Michigan had Isaiah Livers. Right. Um, but that's just – I mean, you're obviously just handcuffed when you – when you're missing one of your top scorers, but also one of like the top three point shooters in the nation that, I mean, that's just not easy to, to make up for. It's kind of hard to recover from. Yeah. But think of the, think of what they'll be able to tell people if they, if they win it all without him. I mean, I mean what a, I mean, what a yeah. remarkable run that would be. Is there any chance he can, is he there? Is he, he's on the bench? And, yeah, know, he is there. He, he was in, he was in his walking boots still. Um, there's there, there's yeah, no I chance. Just, right? I mean, he doesn't seem very optimistic about it because he said it would be miraculous for them too. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, love I, don't, how, I love how he said that on a on a radio interview. Like, I love how they made him available on a radio interview and not to the beat writers that are there all the time. But whatever. Well, yeah. Well, when we we talked to him after the Big Ten right turn semifinal game, so the day after he got, but he didn't. Like I think he got asked about like his like a timetable for a turn, so he didn't really talk to the trainer Alex Wong yet before then. So I think he probably had talked to him, and he probably had a better idea when he did that radio interview. I think it was on like Monday or something, like a couple of days yeah. later. So he maybe had he had maybe had a better idea of what is how long he was going to be out and everything, um, as opposed to when we got to talk to him after the after the game against Ohio State. But um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never had a stress fracture. I have no idea. Um, but I mean, anytime you're dealing with the word fracture, I just feel like it's going to take um, a little bit of time, especially when, I mean, basketball player, and I mean, that's, you know, running, cutting, jumping, and doing all that sort of stuff. I just feel like it's going to take a little bit of of time uh, for it to heal. Um, right. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm I not expecting him to come back. Um, yeah. But who knows? I mean, nobody, nobody was expecting Eli Brooks to come back after he rolled his ankle. It looked really bad, and he could, like, barely – like, he was limping severely. Uh, at Michigan State, and then lo and behold, he comes walking out, um, looks perfectly fine when they played, you know, uh, the Big Ten tournament and played like 30-plus minutes, like his normal minutes. So um, who knows? I mean, who knows how Isaiah's body is going to respond to treatment, but um, I just I just can't. When you hear the word fracture um, and expecting someone to come back within a couple of weeks, that just seems like it's going to be uh, tough to do. Yeah. Have you ever broken any bones in your body, James? I have. I've broken my right shin twice. Right? I broke it right uh, when I was twice. younger. I broke it. Uh, Playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. So I broke it. Yeah. Well, no, the first time was playing soccer. Uh, I was a stud. Uh, oh, see, I was, I was guessing. I didn't stud score back in the day in the Madison Heights Rec Leagues. Um, 
No, so a kid just like, you know what? I go to the ministry streets a lot and they talk about you to this day. They talk about you constantly. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> like a youth, youth league legend. Uh, not really, but uh, no. So once like a kid just kicked me square in my shin, snapped my shin pad and snapped my shin. Um, thankfully, there was a right next to the fire department. So oh, my, yeah. my, I think, I think it was my mom carried or my dad or whatever. They carried me over there to the fire department and um they helped take care of me i guess like i guess helped i don't help my leg i don't know i don't really remember this when i was young and then um i think like a year later i think i i think i fractured it like i think i broke it the first time playing soccer and i fractured it playing baseball like in literally when i like i slid into a bait like slid into second base i think i fractured it or did something with it so yeah my right shin that's the only thing i've broken and i broke it twice in the same spot soccer and then you decided that sport was too violent so you went to play baseball and then you did it again here you are as a sports writer so, yep. um all right uh real quickly last thing i'll ask you about the machine everyone was talking about it yesterday uh the time is a blow up with the uh, gabe brown i'm sure you saw the highlights if you didn't see it live what i wanted to ask you about was um the, the all the feedback I got from Twitter posts and from the story that I was assigned to write by editors yesterday, <laughs> um, but all the feedback I got from that and all the feedback I got from Twitter was it was a lot of well, Juwan, Juwan with Mark Turgeon, Juwan, Juwan, Juwan. I mean, that was everyone was cheering Juwan for you know whatever, and then Izzo, it's like everyone's down on Izzo. And I'm just curious your perspective of that. I you know. I didn't get to see up close, obviously, the Juwan incident. Um, but uh, I think, I think, from my perspective, I think a lot of people, there's just a difference between two adults going at it and a coach and a player going at it. I think that that's probably the difference that I see. I think the whole thing with Izzo, though, is just like, just the fact, that, like how he just grabbed Gabe's arm. I think is what, like, the biggest problem of all of it. Just how he kind of just yanked his arm when he started walking away from him. I mean, I feel like if he didn't, I mean, maybe if he just like yanked down the back of his jerseys, you know, like, well, it depends on people's, you know, I, you know, how they define yanker, you know, whatever. I just think the, the thing was just, he just, you know, grabbed his arm and, you know, kind of pulled it. Um, I just think that's what everyone's taking exception with. And yeah, I mean, I don't think you should be doing that. Um, so yeah, I could, I could see why people find fault in that with his Um, Like I said, I just, I think, I mean, I think that's just the problem that everyone is having is just, like I said, just the, the fact that he's like physically, you know, right. tugging on tugging yeah. on these players, I guess. Yeah. I see it. And the one thing, I, yeah, it's just, it's just two, two adults yelling and probably cussing at each other. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that's you know, I mean, that happens. Uh, I mean, in college basketball, I don't think that's you know, <laughs> as yeah. alarming as a as a coach yanking on a on one of his players. Now, how close were you to the Joan Turgeon thing? Uh, not very close. So they had us. They had us uh, behind one of the baskets um, uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium, and I honestly didn't even like. I didn't even initially see what was happening because I was like looking at my laptop, looking at like uh, stats. I was probably maybe t- t- typing a tweet or something. And then I just heard the whistles, and then I looked up, and then I just saw um, all hell breaking loose with Juwan, uh with Jay Smith using his entire body weight to try to hold Juwan back. Um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't initially see what had happened just because it was like going into a media timeout. So I mean, usually when that happens, you're like, oh, okay, you know, you just look at stats or you look at something. And then, yeah, by the time I looked up, I heard the whistles and I just heard all the commotion. I was like, oh, um, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't see like the entire thing happen there. I had to like look at the video, but um, yeah, it just kind of, yeah, kind of happened out of nowhere. I, I wasn't, I didn't know what was going on at first. Um, I just looked up and I saw Juwan getting uh, pushed back by like his entire coaching staff. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a much different ejection than when uh, John Beeline got ejected. The one time he got ejected, the Michigan game where at Penn State, where it's just like you didn't even know he got ejected. He like picked up two timeouts and just walked to the tunnel. Um, so I guess Juwan got his money's worth out of his ejection. Yeah, um, just circling back to Izzo really quick. I, I kind of agree. He, I mean, he shouldn't have done that. He just can't grab the player like that. Just, just doesn't, just doesn't work that way in this day and age. I mean, you just can't do it. But I mean. The holy hell that he's catching, I think it was just over the top, too. I mean, it's it's not like he, you know, hit him over the head with a folding chair or anything like that. I mean, it's just uh, – it's he's not Bobby Knight. He's not Woody Hayes. I mean, he wears his emotions, and sometimes he goes too far, and Tom would probably admit two days from now that he did. But I, I see both sides of it. I think he was wrong, and I think the, uh, the holier-than-thou crowd is wrong as well. So. Um, but circling back to Jawan and Turgeon, I'm curious how many theories have readers emailed you about why or how many theories have you heard, I guess, of what that argument was really about? Well, what's about oh, the backstory? Yeah, well, there's a couple. There's like one. There's like something about a banner. Um, I think that circulated on Twitter or something. I have no. I'm that's got to be. Yeah, that's got to be about. That's got to be what, just like a comment about the Fab Five or something like that. Yeah, dig it. That um, I'm still not entirely sure where that came yeah. from. Like I like I said, I think that came from Twitter, somewhere on Twitter or something. Because mm. um, I think like Juwan was on Jalen Jacoby with you know Jalen Rose's former teammate uh, earlier this week, and I think Jalen asked him about that, and then Juwan said there he didn't say anything about a banner. So I'm not entirely sure where that, how that even came about or who even yeah. I have, I have no idea. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think the basically what, what Juwan and Mark both were saying after the game was how, uh, Juwan was, he, they both said that Mark was only saying, you know, like, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. But, um, Juwan, the whole thing that blew Juwan up or, you know, made him lose his cool is the whole fact that he said that Mark Turgeon was charging him. Or, you know, he took a couple quick steps towards him, you know. So, I mean, I don't think there's like – I don't think they're disputing what was said between the two of them. Um, well, I just, just, think, I'm yeah, just I don't curious. Think, like, I'm just curious. There's obviously bad blood between the, these two at the before that game. I mean, they had some really? – you know, there, it, it was it, – there, there were some chippy games early this season and last season. I mean, there's clearly something there. So, I'm just curious. Like the one, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I heard one that they hate each other because of Hunter Dickinson, the recruitment of Hunter Dickinson or whatever. I don't know if I don't know if you've heard that, but I've gotten like four emails about that. So I don't know if there's any if you think there's any any truth to that or if there's if there was just some sour grapes there that Michigan got him in Maryland and Yeah, I mean I I haven't gotten anything about that, but I mean, yeah, that would make sense just because I mean the first game they had this season. Hunter got teed up because he kept flexing and staring at the bench. 
Um, so yeah, that, and he talked about how Hunter talked about how he really wasn't recruited by them. And then I think there's like a Washington Post story where I think it was tur- or it was uh, I think the team takeover coach or whatever that Hunter played for his AU team. They were talking about how he was recruited. So it was like I think Hunter was saying he wasn't recruited, but then this other his AU coach was saying he was being recruited by Maryland. So um, I think it's just kind of one of those weird he said he said she said type things. Uh, two sides of every story, I guess. But um, well, we'll I mean see. that could it's be part be, of it. I mean, know. I just well, where could they meet in the NCAA tournament? I haven't even looked at the bracket. <laughs> Like, is that even possible? I have, I have they no, can even meet. I have, I have no, no idea. idea. I don't know either. But uh, anyway, it's, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on because it wasn't just the Big Ten tournament game that they blew up at each other. There was some there was some ill will, at least earlier this season in that game. And so there was some chippiness. So we'll see. Um, that's it. Uh, so you're, uh, you're going to be in West Lafayette for another day because you just can't get enough of West Lafayette. Yep. No one can. And then you'll be heading down to Indy to cover Michigan and LSU. That game will be Monday. Probably, probably Monday. I bet it'll be a night game. That's going to be a marquee game. Um, but we'll see. Um, that's it uh, for now. I'm going to let you go. Uh, you can follow James Hawkins on Twitter at James B. Hawkins. Uh, that's James B. Hawkins because James Hawkins is taken. Follow me on Twitter at Tony Paul 1984. Go to Detroit News all week long for all the coverage from Hawkins on Michigan and also from Charbonneau kind of looking at the future of Michigan state. You can check out the podcast Charbonneau and I did yesterday. It's posted also at DetroitNews.com. We kind of talk about um, their future and as well as the, is it, we kind of break down the Izzo Gabe Brown spat. Both of us were pretty much in agreement that Izzo was in the wrong, but uh, you didn't kill anybody either. Um, so check that out at DetroitNews.com. And if you're so inclined, become a subscriber. You can get like, Three months for a dollar. I'll Venmo you a dollar. Like, sign up. Send me your Venmo. I'll send you a dollar. Support local journalism. Because, like I've told people all along, you will miss us when we're gone. Especially James Hawkins. You will miss James Hawkins when he's gone, if our paper ever goes. So, James, enjoy your life in the bubble. Stay in the bubble. Wear a mask. And uh, we'll talk to you after the game on Monday. All right. Sounds good.